Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And for some of you already, you're like, eh, I don't know how happy it is for me. Valentine's is so great for so many people, and yet it's so tender and maybe even painful for others, depending on what season of life that you're in. It might be a day that you're celebrating with a spouse, or it may be the first Valentine's Day that you've experienced single after a divorce that you didn't expect. So whatever, where wherever you find yourself in this moment that you're listening, I just want you to know how loved you are by God and that he loves you exactly where you are and who you are. And today I wanted to go a little bit of a different direction for Valentine's. And I adore my guest today so much so that we've been talking, if I look at my watch, like over an hour before we even recorded this episode, um, just about life and her heart. And she drips with grace. And you're going to hear that in her conversation. She has been a guest before on the podcast and was one of your favorites. So I cannot wait to bring her back. Her name is Callie Logan. And I want you to just think for a moment, if you're single today, this conversation really is going to minister most to your heart. But anyone who's listening, I want you to lean in because I, you're just going to, you're going to be so blessed and encouraged by Callie. But imagine writing love letters to the man in the future whom you would one day marry but you have absolutely no idea who that is and you have yet to meet. Well, Callie Logan is the author of two books, Hang In There, Girl, and Dear Future Husband. And she's currently a senior writer for Crosswalk.com. She's a high school history teacher where she also serves as a small group leader. She's a mentor to the high school girls. She wants to challenge her students to develop deeper relationships with God and to live fearlessly. And this is what I really sense when you talk to Callie, authentically and the calling that God has specifically given for them. She's a graduate of Regent University and she lives right near me in Richmond. And uh, you're going to love hearing some of her story today, but we're going to talk about her latest book, which is Dear Future Husband. And then she's going to mention she has another book coming out soon, but I wanted to zero in on this today, Callie, for Valentine's Day. So welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I am so happy to be here and I I love that we're talking Valentine's Day and stuff because I have a whole lot of feelings towards all that. <laughs> I know, right? All the feels. We're in all the feels, whatever those feels are today. And this is actually my 31st year being married to my husband. So I feel super old. I'm like the old veteran over here. But um, you know, marriage is hard. Sometimes Valentine's isn't even always what you want it to be, even in a marriage situation where expectations aren't met or uh, resentments have grown, or for so many today who might be listening, maybe they're, they've, they've not found the spouse that they're looking for. And they, they're wondering even if, if it's going to happen for them. And we're even going to talk guys a little bit about even the way the church views marriage and a sense of idolizing it to the sense that those of us who are single can feel like second-class citizens. So Callie, I'm excited to like dive into all the things today. We're going to like turn over all the, all over the rocks. We're going to turn them all over today. So let's talk about Dear Future Husband, because this book contains letters that you wrote over the course of a decade 
to the man that you would one day marry. So what made you write that first letter in the first place? Yeah, I uh, started writing them when I was 18. So I'll be 32 this year. So wow. <laughs> writing, I actually just wrote my 300, 300th letter uh, over oh. the Christmas holiday. Uh, and that felt very like, whoa, that's a that's a lot. It's like overfilling a shoebox now. <laughs> but wow. what really inspired me um, was I was as 18, like I said, and life was changing really fast. And in a lot of good ways, I was about to graduate high school and I was getting ready to go to college. And it was so evident that my husband wasn't anywhere near me and I could tell. And I thought, you know, I just, I love sharing things. I love sharing stories and I wish he was here. So mm-hmm. as almost a postcard of a, hey, I wish you were here. I I wrote the first letter just like, hey, so you're not here but I can paint with words, imagery. So you feel like you were. Mm. And I thought it would be sweet too, if he got to know me at 18, because I had a feeling that I wasn't going to be 19 when I met him, you know? And so that kind of inspired the first letter. And then here we are. I don't want to, I'm not going to do the math on that for years later. (laughs) A lot of years later, but what a beautiful gift to give yourself, first of all, and to even anticipate um, that you would want to give um, to the man that you would one day marry. And I know there's been some unexpected twists and turns. We can talk about that in a minute, but I just think that is absolutely beautiful. Um, you also have a prayer at the end of each letter. So it's these personal letters. Like, why do you think prayer is so important, um, in, in just believing for, or praying for, or hoping for uh, a future spouse? Well, I think one of the biggest things is your future spouse is walking around on this planet Mm. and it's easy as single women to kind of come into this thought process of, well, they don't exist until I meet them, Mm. but there's an entire life and story just as you've had going on for them. And so he might be on cloud nine and doing really well in life, or he might be in a rough spot. And the beautiful thing is God knows, even if we don't. Yeah. So I think partnering with God and, and setting into practice, because as a wife, you're going to want to be in prayer for that husband. So setting that habit and that practice, not just a habit, but a practice of communion with your first love with God is so important. And you develop that. And I think along the way, your heart is made tender there's space made for that person in your prayer walk and in your prayer life that by the time that seat is filled sitting next to you, no matter how much dust that seat has collected over the years, there is that seat and that's already been on the table and you've already been praying for that person. So it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's just reuniting with an old friend. You just don't know their name. That's so beautiful. I love that. And there's so many women I talked to Kelly in the relationship with her husband is strained. And at the core of that, they're not praying for one another. And so even this, this habit that you started before you even knew who he was basically provided a, a, just a a real gift of a foundation of prayer and inviting God into the relationship before you even knew who the relationship was going to be with. What a, what a beautiful practice that we can all adopt. No matter where we are, you can begin right now saying, I am going to make prayer an integral part 
of praying over my husband. We've talked on the podcast. I've had Sharon Janes and other that have talked about praying for your kids and praying for your children in a different way. And of course, we know intellectually to pray for our spouse or to pray for the people that we love, but to to make it such a focus. And like you said, to already hold space and to have, have shifted the way that you're even going to receive that person in your life. I, I just think that is, it's really beautiful. And I think it's a great lesson for us, no matter where we are. Um, so let's talk about the unexpected that happened in your life as you were writing this book and releasing this book. It didn't, it was a little different than you expected. And then I'm going to ask what we what we do with this narrative that we have over time really enforced in the church or reinforced with women that that value was linked to marriage. So I want to get into that in a second, but I want to talk a little bit about your own journey and how this took some zigs and some zags that you weren't expecting. Yeah, I I think a lot of ways you could almost write an entire book off the journey of writing this book. <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest facets of this book that was my heart was, although the letters are are personal, that this isn't a memoir of my life. This mm-hmm. is genuinely a book of encouragement that the young woman reading this can see themselves as the person that they can relate to different topics that it's truly just a conduit of the message God has for his, his daughters and, and carrying that forward. But for me, when I was asked to write this book, uh, the story actually behind it was the day before I was asked to write this book, the Lord spoke to me when I was having coffee and just real kind of almost nonchalantly said, what would you think of writing a, a book off your letters? And I knew what he was talking about, but I was like, I don't know. Uh, I didn't really have an answer. And uh, 24 hours later, and it's so funny how I have it just, it it was almost like 24 hours to the minute. I received an email from the publisher with that idea. And that it had been, I think it was like two and a half paragraphs and hang in there, girl, that I had mentioned that practice. And they were intrigued. And they said, what would you think of writing a book? And so if you ever needed more confirmation than that from the Lord, it was right there. And I kind of brought myself into this assumption that, okay, well, if he's doing that, then man, I must be getting married soon. That's exciting. Mm. You know, kind of this assumption that wedding bells were going to be ringing in the course of the writing of the book and how life would turn out that didn't happen. And Mm. I had to combat so much spiritual warfare. Mm. There are a few things in my life I've ever had so much spiritual warfare over than the course of this book, but oh. of Satan really trying to make me feel like I wasn't going to be worth anything, that the message and the heart I had, I didn't have anything good to say because, you know, who's going to want to read a marriage book by somebody who's single? And that was just this constant narrative of lies that were being spewed in my head. And had to really combat that. But I, I think, you know, with the church, we have to look at it that, we have to be really mindful not to let basically the narrative of Satan become something that we adopt as a truth or we adopt as a a way to, to treat singles that, Oh, well you only have a value on this panel if you're married Mm -hmm. or you only have something to say if you have a diamond ring on your hand. Mm. And the truth is that's not the case. We have value. We have worth no matter what our marital status is. Right. 
And that was something I really learned in the course of things from the Lord was that my value and my worth were not dependent upon my marital status. Right. It's so good, Callie. And it kind of leads into what I want to talk about because I think even as pastors, we've been guilty at sometimes maybe sharing a message from the pulpit and speaking with assumptions, you know, about everyone there being married or um, in, inadvertently excluding a population that might be single or divorced. And we've, of course, been very intentional about um, shifting that language and shifting the thoughts behind that language. But you can still hear people saying, oh, you're not married yet. You don't have kids yet. And so that little yet on the end of the word, on the end of the sentence indicates that something is wrong. Something is missing. There's a lack. There's uh, why not? What's what's happened? What's and then, like you said, even the enemy comes in. Well, what's wrong with me? Is this, you know, am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I going to be sharing this message, but it's not going to be received? So let's talk about even the ways you have seen in your own life, this practiced and in the church how the church has idolized marriage and what do we do with that? What do we do about that? And what would you like to see us doing differently moving forward? So many great points there. And the thing is we have to, I think as single people, if you have been, I, I don't even want to say the victim. I don't even want to place it that, you know, somehow you were wounded, but you might've had a soul wound from that that you're not looking at it that the intention of the person ever was anything of harm sure, because good. I don't think there's malice in any sure. of it. I think it's all well-intended. I think that yet is, is actually with the intention of hope, like, Oh, well, but you will be, you know, that this yeah. isn't a period of the sentence that we are awaiting because I think there is that innate joy within somebody of, Oh, I can't wait to meet your spouse. I can't wait to invite them into the fold as, you know, a brother or sister. Yeah. Um, I think as singles, we have to look at that first of let's look at the heart and the intention that it wasn't meant to be harmful, that that sermon was actually supposed to be one um, to, give me life and excitement towards it to come. Mm -hmm. And I can still glean from it and I can savor it and I can hold, you know, firm to that for one day. Cause that is good biblical teaching that one day will become, you know, applicable. It's just right now, it's more just something I'm going to put on a shelf that one day I get to use it. Yeah. It's a beautiful perspective, Callie. But I think other places that we have to be careful is anything can become an idol. Yeah. Anything in the world. And an idol by definition is something that comes between God and I, mm. you know, it's, it's something that I'm placing before God. And so I think marriage is such a beautiful thing. I think it is so holy that even seeing it in the way that Christ uses it as comparisons of his relationship with the church. Yeah. And so we see God's heart towards marriage and we see that it is his intention and his heart to hold it to that kind of esteem but we have to realize that it's not the end all be all. You haven't somehow made it because you're married. Right. You haven't somehow achievement unlocked that, you know, you get all these gold coins spewing yeah. out or something that it's in his timing and in the way that he wants to bring that in. And there's nothing wrong with you if God hasn't brought the right person or if you met and, and maybe even married somebody and you thought that that was the right person mm. and that life played out and that wasn't, that doesn't mean that you're forgotten by God. It doesn't mean that you used your, you know, one time swipe or something. Yeah. I, we have a father who is so 
redeeming and so full of love and grace mm. that he he can take the pen and he can write a story that is one for the ages mm. and I think holding firm to those hopes and looking at it from that perspective is so important but as the church we need to be mindful that you're not Paul if you're single you know yeah. Paul Paul never expressed any desire to be married if you really read through, we know he was single, but he didn't have this complaining spirit of, well, if I only had a wife, then everything would be great. Mm-hmm. I think people know if they're called to marriage or not. Mm-hmm. And if there is that heart, see desire, then allowing God to do the work that needs to be done on the back end within you so that you are the person that is ready to marry the person God has for you kind of thing. Um but looking at it as the church of their time just hasn't come for that yet, mm. but it doesn't mean it's not coming. So how can we value them? How can we hear their very unique perspective That's on good. something? And what has God been doing in his personal relationship with them? Because right. they've had this extra space to just have that intimacy mm. with him. Yeah, And so they probably have a resource of knowledge that I might not say. Right. So, yeah, that's so true. There's just actually more time in your day uh, to spend with the Lord. You know, that's one way to look at it, to, to deepen your relationship with the Lord. And I think just you speaking to it, it's not the right season, it's not the right time, it hasn't happened yet. I was thinking too, as you were sharing that, Callie, it, we we need God's grace in our life. It takes grace to be married and it takes grace to be single. So it's not like all of a sudden, I don't need grace in my life if I'm married. It's not like you said, it's not some magic button that we push. Mm-hmm. And sadly, you know, two broken halves don't make a whole. You don't come to someone and you 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 marry each other and all of a sudden you're both just going to be whole people that have no issues and no challenges. Like you, you, it, it can even intensify when you come together, you're sharing lives, you're sharing families, you're then maybe sharing children, sharing finances, everything can become more complicated. So understanding there's value and in purpose in God's call on your life in every season that there is. For example, I'm now 55, Callie, and my kids are not married yet. And they, I said, yet yeah, heard that. And they don't have, they don't have children and they really don't have a desire to have children. So if you're listening to this and you know my kids, don't go up to them and say, your mom said you don't have kids. But I had to think once, like, I may not be the, I may not have grandkids. I might, I might not, but I can't idolize having a grandchild. And I can't, I don't look at someone else and pine away. Oh my gosh, they have four grandchildren. I'm kind of neutral toward it, which almost makes me think is God's grace in my life in this season. Because what if I was just like, I just want to be a grandma every day. I would be fighting that. And, but instead there's other things that are making my life extremely full that God, that is what he has for me right now. And so I think in any season we are in, whether it's, I wanted to have children and I'm not having them. I wanted to be married and I'm not. I wanted to have grandchildren and I'm not, whatever the, and I'm not is for us. We can change the way we look at that to say, I wanted this, but God wanted something different for me right now. And so he has purpose for it and he has grace for me in it. 
And that kind of changes the way we look at, oh, well, I'm just going to kind of like, I don't know, like make this just kind of tread water and just endure and just get through this season of my life until I'm married. And then we're not, we're not going to live in the joy that is being afforded for us in that season, the peace, the, as you said, the deepening of relationship that we can receive in our own development so that if, and when the Lord wants us to be married, we'll be ready for that situation, ready for the relationship, not coming in bitter and resentful and frustrated and angry. I also think too, for some people, they don't want to be married, Callie. And, uh, and maybe that's from a place of brokenness that they've had a bad, um, you know, they, they may have been through a very painful, their parents may have been divorced. There's a lot of reasons why people kind of dig their heels in and say, I'm never getting married. What is your advice, guidance, counsel for someone who's maybe almost closed their heart to becoming married? Maybe the opposite end of the spectrum of, no, 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 not for me. That's for you. That's fine. But I'm, they've almost made some kind of vow that they're never going to be married. What would be your heart and encouragement for them? I would say um, to look at it, not as a period, but a semicolon. Mm. And um, Actually, I have a tattoo. I have a semicolon tattoo, which is for the intention of what, I love that. what that is synonymous with. But yeah. I've looked at it in the way of a lot of places where I have placed a period where God, a semicolon or a comma. Yeah. And, you know, kind of coming into making that agreement, well, I would never right, is, is a dangerous place because unless God explicitly has told you that it's absolutely not for you, you don't really know what he might have. Yeah. So yeah. I think even if you approach it with curiosity, mm. instead of approaching it with fear that, oh my gosh, that scares the living bejeebers out of me, mm. approach it with curiosity. What if, what if I considered and I just brought to the Lord, maybe you could have something like that for me. Mm. If you do, would you soften my heart towards it? Mm. Or would you give me a perspective that would be different? Would you show me by example, somebody who was in the same position as me, who had closed their heart off and their mind off, they had maybe had a background and where you had a change of heart for them. And I think when you vulnerably bring that to God, then be an expectation that it might not be in the next 10 minutes, (laughs) but I think he is going to answer in a way that you can then have a peace within you to know, okay, marriage is for me. It just might look a little different than everyone else's Mm -hmm. or no, I am feeling correctly. And that's actually just not something that's for me by his pen. But then you can stand in a place of more assurance and you know, you're not the one who's calling the shots. That's good. That's it, Callie. It's really just maintaining a posture of surrender, whatever you want from me, Lord. If we keep that open heart, like even when Mary, I'm thinking of Mary, as you said that when the angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby and guess what? It's Holy Spirit and it's going to be Jesus. And I mean, that's a lot to wrap your head around. But her response in that moment, Callie, is let it be unto me, as you have said, that posture is what you're describing. Like, don't just put a period where God may have put a comma or a semicolon. What a profound thing to say. And what, but what is behind that is God, it's not about my will. Right now, I'm that scares me, or I just don't want to share my life, or whatever the reason could be. But God only has good things for us. He's a good God. He's a trustworthy God. So staying open. I remember Callie. We went, we went through a church hurt younger, and 
in life, not me and my husband, but me and my family when I was a young teenager. And I watched some things my parents went through. And I remember saying, I will never be a pastor's wife. <laughs> and that's what I've been for 30 years among, you know, a staff pastor and, and, you know, other ways of ministering. But the point is we make those vows usually out of some kind of a wound mm -hmm. and we end up closing up a compartmentalizing a piece of our life from the Lord. Cause we never just close off a door. That means some part of our life doesn't have access to God and he wants full access and he knows what's best. He's loving, he's trustworthy. So I, I think that's great counsel to just say, don't leave space for what God wants to do and let him work in your heart. And uh, don't let that bitterness ever put a vow in your life. Thank God he softened my heart in that area. And, uh, you know, because I would have said no to one of the greatest, my whole trajectory of life would have been different, Callie, if I had stayed on that vow. So one end of the spectrum might be someone who's listening who says, oh, I'm not, I don't want to get married. It's not for me. I've just seen it be a train wreck, whatever their heart might have um, experienced. But the other side is where I kind of want to end and land today. And that is the woman who's listening and maybe for today, Valentine's or wherever you might be listening, it's just a bit painful. It's just another reminder that they are spending yet another Valentine's Day single. So for the person who really does want to be married, they are asking the Lord for this relationship in their life. What encouragement and um, hope would you give them today? Say, don't limit God to predictability. And I, I feel like even just don't limit God. Um, it's one of the biggest lessons he taught me while I was writing this book. And this book means so much to me mm. because of the journey I got to have intimately and personally with God and crafting it with him for, for women to read. And I that was one of the things he said to me. And that was after my assumption and to feel let down. And he said, don't limit me to predictability. And he said it so clear. I was in my friend's car and I was crying and we were listening to worship music, praying together. And he said that so clear. And it's kind of become a new practice of mine that by predictability, you know, you would think, oh, well, my parents got married at this age. So then I must be getting married at that age too. Or, you know, I have done all the apps, I've gone to the small groups at the singles church, you know, I've done all these things. Surely there must be my person there. Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't happen. And, you know, you begin to wonder like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. But don't limit God's predictability because I believe God loves writing really unique, wonderful love stories, stories that you get to tell one day that will inspire women who are feeling exactly how you're feeling right now. Mm. So I would say, don't limit him to predictability and don't limit what he wants to do this season. I spent very, very many years, um, uh, Valentine's day, which I love that this is coming on, <laughs> on Valentine's day was something that I actually grew to really hate because the first relationship I had like fell apart like two days before Valentine's day. Mm. And I, just kind of had made this agreement that I was going to hate Valentine's Day forever. And I had a very kind sister in Christ come alongside me last year. She made me cookies and shipped them from Minnesota and sent them to me. And it softened my heart and it made me feel so loved. And she said, you know, mm -hmm. Valentine's Day isn't just about romantic love. 
it's also about platonic love. It's loving your friends. It's loving God. It's love and God is love. That's so good. I think looking at it from the perspective, how can this Valentine's Day be different? Because if you don't have a date, okay, who can you love on? Maybe yeah, it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's even just having a dinner with just you and God. Mm. Taking that evening and consecrating it to the Lord. Maybe you do communion and it's just you and the Lord and you're breaking bread and wine and you have that. Um, but not limiting what he wants to do in the season because I don't believe he keeps us single a day longer than we ought to be. Mm. I think that he has a very specific purpose. And if you knew all of the pieces and all of the facets of all the things and you could see the end of the line, you'd be in total agreement with him. So I would say hold hope and don't limit him to what he's doing right now. That's so good. So, so good, Callie. I'm going to ask you to pray for us in just a second. And I just want to add to that, um, which was so beautifully shared from your heart, Callie just to, for people to know how loved you are. I know we've said it a couple of times, right where you are. You're not a second-class citizen if you're single on Valentine's Day. You're not a second-class citizen if you're single your entire life. God has value and purpose in every season that we are in. And I just think so often we allow ourselves to feel marginalized because of imposed expectations from culture or others and just lean into what the Lord is saying over you and to hear Callie's words. Don't, don't limit him. He loves you. His plans for you are true. And, um, he's, he's writing a beautiful story. So thank you, Callie. I so appreciate that. Where can they get a copy of your books and get to know you? I know you're active on social media. How would you like people to find you? Yeah, uh, the books are available everywhere books are sold. We've got Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, everywhere. It's uh, C-A-L-L-Y, the Y. Um, and I love people connecting with me on social media. Instagram is where I mainly hang out. Um, but of course, they're always welcome. I've gotten some wonderful emails on my website directly. Uh, I love seeing people on the Facebook and Twitter and, and everywhere else. But I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing how they've been inspired. It's been really neat to see some girls have felt inspired to even start blogs mm -hmm. about creating their own letters. I it's love that. Wow. So invigorating and so fun. And just, I was awestruck by that and so grateful that the Lord used this book to be a facet of their testimony, but yeah, mm -hmm. um, and definitely connect with me just about anywhere on the internet. So it's beautiful. And I'll put all that in my show notes too. And I know you have a new book coming. We won't give that away quite yet, um, but it'll be out soon. And we'll have to do an Instagram live when that's ready and hop on. And Oh, and I'd love that. Make sure that people know good. all about it. It's going to be wonderful and exciting. But Callie, you're such a needed voice in our generation and such a beautiful voice of grace and patience and receiving um, the the call and the portion that the Lord has for us and being content in that and not um, pining for something we don't have, not lamenting, even though there is value in lament. And maybe some of us need to lament today and there's nothing wrong with that, but not staying in a posture of lament uh, constantly until something happens. If we, if we tether our hope or our identity or our worth or our value to a particular outcome, 
rather than to Christ, we all can be disappointed. It's not just in the area of relationship. It can be anything. So don't, don't let the enemy rob you of peace and joy and the fullness and abundance of the life that Christ died for us to have waiting for something. He wants you to live that abundant life right this minute, right where you are and know that he has his eye on you. So thank you so much, Callie, for being here today. And I'd love for you to just pray for our listeners on this love day. That's what we should rename it. Love day. Okay. Would you pray for especially anyone who might be feeling a little tender today that they would really know and uh, just rest in the love of God today? I would be honored to. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day that celebrates love. And we know that you are love. So, Father, I just want to pray for those listening today. If they have someone that they have warm fuzzies with, what a gift that is. And um, to get to experience love on the side of heaven. Because we know we'll be experiencing it abundantly and nonstop once we're there. But God, I also want to specifically pray for someone who today's a rough day. I pray that today would not just be a day they would get through. It would not be a day that they just want to fast forward with some remote, but instead, God, that a new perspective would come across uh, their minds and that you would touch their hearts because, God, you crafted them and you love them. And so I pray that they would feel that. And God, past just Valentine's Day, I pray for those who are awaiting a spouse, God, that in your timing that you would bring your match for them. And if God, they need to be challenged, if they if their scope has been limited and they um, think that only this type of person would be fitting, God, I pray that you would help them to have the curiosity of what you might have instead and that you would remind them that you are the great story maker. You are the author of love itself. So how much more of a beautiful love story would you want to give them? So I pray that they would surrender and they would trust you and know that you are the safest place they can possibly be. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.